Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. It's great to see everybody today on this uh, long weekend, this Labor Day weekend. Glad that you're here worshiping the Lord, seeking to honor Him and glorify Him. I've got a, a question for you. Um, as the people of God, as those who have been redeemed, who have been reconciled to the Father, who have been justified in Jesus Christ, are we seeking to live a holy life? Are we seeking to be holy as God is holy? It's my uh, conviction or my belief, if I took a, a, a poll, if I took a survey, I, I would come to the conclusion, perhaps, I believe I would, that a lot of people are, are not seeking to be holy. That a lot of Christians haven't uh, got to that point yet of, of saying, I, I'm going to determine myself to be a righteous man or a righteous woman. Uh, and I, I think we've resigned ourselves to being a certain kind of a people, uh, a people that aren't uh, Christ-like. We've maybe resigned ourselves to being a people that aren't uh, seeking holiness, uh, being, being godly, uh, living a right life, I, I think it, it starts with this, this understanding of, of who we are. Uh, this week and next week, I'm going to talk about our identity. Uh, really, that's what the scriptures are talking about that we're going to look at and uh, what, it, what it means for us, who we are. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of bumper sticker theology out there. And I, but it gets at who we, who we think we are, and it gets at who, how we behave and how we live, or what, what, we, what we think we can be. I'm just forgiven. Uh, God has accepted me just as I am. Um, and you can come up with other little phrases over the centuries that have come about. I'm not, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. And all kinds of emanations of that are different styles of saying that. Uh, but I, I ask the question, when, when you were saved, did, did God just forgive you or did he make you alive? Did he just pardon you or did he regenerate you? Are you just a forgiven sinner? And what that leads to in many, many people's minds is, Really, I know the call, perhaps, of the preacher. He's always calling me to be holy, but I'm just a miserable sinner at heart who's been forgiven. And I want to challenge that today and next week. I want to bring to your attention what God says you are, who God says you are, and whose you are. And I want to call you to a holy life. God calls you to a holy life. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. So let's dive into a, a rather deep portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 6. 
Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, and by God's grace, we'll go through chapter 7 and 8 next week, or portions of it. They are rather long chapters, but they are uh, important chapters in our theology. We're talking about sanctification. We are commanded to be sanctified. What does that mean? What does that look like? Is that even possible? Chapter 6, verse 1. May God bless the reading of His Word, and may God bless His people with His truth. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin, once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not, therefore, sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin shall have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. There's some, there's some density to this passage, there's some weightiness to this passage that needs to be unpacked, and uh, please bear with me as I try to bring out the truth of God's Word. Uh, he's starting with a question, and it's, it's flowing from his, his teaching in chapters 3 and 4 and 5 uh, about justification. And the amazing thing is God saves us by His grace. Uh, we're not saved by our works, we're not saved by our effort, we're not saved by uh, all the things we do to earn a righteous standing. We're given a righteous standing through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Uh, and so he goes into this, this long explanation of, of we were in Adam, now we're in Christ. We, you know, in, in Adam we had so much sin, the sin piled to the heavens, stacked to the heavens, but now in Christ we're forgiven by grace. And he hands chapter 5 with this kind of this picture of as sins multiplied and yet they're forgiven, you know, grace multiplied. Grace, came, grace is always greater. God's grace is always greater than our sin. Praise God. And so he, he, but he, so he asks a rhetorical question in verse 1. In other words, he's asking a question that he intends to answer. <laughs> he says, so, he's imagining some of his readers saying, so, if uh, grace comes... As a result of our sin, you know, they're, they're twisting it a little bit, but uh, if grace keeps coming, why shouldn't we keep sinning? If grace keeps coming, uh, and why don't we do, sin more to experience more grace? 
Or maybe, maybe if we sin more, God gives more grace, he gets glorified more for all his graciousness. Kind of a deal. And so, so he's basically saying, hey, Paul, you know, Paul's setting him up like, should we keep sinning that God could be glorified by giving us more grace? And, and Paul says, absolutely not. No stinking way. Get that out of your head. So in verse 2, he says, don't you know you died to sin? There's been a death to sin. So if you've died to sin, you can't live in it any longer. And it's a, it's a massive statement. And he seeks to unpack that from verses 3 through 10. You died to sin. Uh, there's been a death. Uh, you, you, you're not alive to it anymore. And so verses 3 through 4 and 5, he says, Don't you know? Don't you know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead for the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. Now, he's, he's, again, there's some deep concepts. And what he's talking about is this kind of this conversion process. Okay, so regeneration, conversion, baptism, the, the whole gamut, however you put those things in your theology in that order, it's like the conversion baptism complex. He's saying, when you came to Christ and you were baptized, you, you, you came to Christ internally. He made you alive, and then publicly you were baptized. You, through that whole deal, were united with Jesus Christ. You were made one with Jesus Christ. You were tied in with Him in a deep and a powerful way that's mysterious to us uh, uh, with our minds and our limited intellect, but nevertheless, it happens. Uh, every time someone comes to Jesus Christ, they are brought in to union with Jesus Christ, baptized into the body of Christ, as it were. Uh, and so there's this, this wonderful kind of deal that uh, he died a death and we were united with his death. He rose from the dead. We were united with his resurrection. And so he's pounding in the, the idea that uh, as Jesus died to any opportunity to sin, as he died to that, that life where he was tempted, as it were, there, there's some kind of a, a, a parallel that Paul, Paul's trying to make with us. That we died to a former way of life. That there's something about us that died. Um, in, in, you know, like 4A, we were buried, and 4B, we were raised. We, we are united with him, 5A and death, and 5B, we're going we're gonna to live with him one day. He, he's, he's making this as clear as he can. He's, he's talking about concepts that are, you know, just, uh, we'll, we'll know, we'll understand it one day. But, but he's saying, man, you've been united with this dead one who rose to, rose to life. You died and you rose to life in some way when you converted, when you trusted in Jesus Christ. Something amazing happened. So then he moves on to verse 6. And, you know, he's like, I think it's like 15 times that he talks about death to life in this, in this passage. It's incredible. He hammers this again and again. But then in verse 6, he moves to a new level. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We know, brethren, we know that the old self, some of your translations say the old man, the old un unregenerate, unregenerate person that you were. You're born into sin. You're born into uh, a life without a life with God. 
When you came to life, when you trusted in Jesus, you were given a life. There's a new man. There's, there's a regenerate person now. There's somebody alive now, a person, a spiritual person that's alive now. Praise God. Praise God. But, but he says, guess what? Some of you think you're, still, you're living in the past. You're living as if there was an old man and a new man, an old, a, a new man and an old man. You're living as if you're all mixed up. You died. There's some part of you, some, some portion of you that died, that's not alive anymore. You were crucified with Christ. And, but but as, we wish he'd go deeper with that and go farther with that, uh, but other scriptures do. Like 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone's a Christ, he's a new creation. Right? The old is gone, the new has come. And, and we start looking through the New Testament. There, there's all kinds of references. E Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You are dead in your sins and trespasses. But by the time he gets to verse 10, Ephesians 2, 10, you're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Right? There's this, this big transition. And, and even, uh, I don't have it on the overhead there, but even chapter 8, verses 16 through 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we're children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we might be glorified with Him. Like we've been adopted. We've been made new. We've been made alive. We're children of God now. And I have to say it in case you check out later in the sermon. You're not a miserable sinner. You're not just a sinner who continues to sin without any hope. As a Christian, you've been made alive in Jesus Christ. That's not your identity. I, I, you know, sometimes we, we, like, why should I try anymore? Why should I, why should I keep going? I just keep sinning. That's not, and we, we come to the conclusion that maybe, well, maybe it's because, you know, I, all this Bible talk about me being saved and me being right with God, I'm just not sure. Paul says, don't you know who you are? The old man is gone. You're no longer slaves of sin. Now, he uses that terminology to make a strong point. When we were in the old man, when we were unregenerate, when we were outside of Christ, the world, the billions of people that are outside of Christ right now, they're still slaves to sin. They're still under the dominion of the devil. They're still in the world. They have to come up with identities for themselves. They have to find meaning in life. If you're taking notes, you can write down Ecclesiastes 2. Remember Solomon, like he was the richest man. He had so much wisdom. So he went on an identity search. He went on a meaning search. I tried this. I tried lands. I tried properties. I tried, you know, a harem. I tried all these things that people want or what men want. And I found it to be futile. Outside of Christ, outside of a relationship with God, we find meaning. We seek, seek for meaning, seek for pleasure, seek for purpose. But we've been made to have a relationship with God. We've been made to have a, a, a life with God, not apart from God. If we're trying to find life apart from God, we will always be in futility, chasing the wind. What Paul says here, man, your old self is gone, your new self has come. In verse 7, he reiterates it. You have died You've been set free from sin, sin's tyranny, sin's slavery. So he's personifying sin as a power that's over people. But once you come to Christ, 
This power is not your master anymore. You've been made to be under another master. The Lord God Almighty. And he said, in verse 8, he, in, through 10, he's saying, Now we have died with Christ, we will also live with him. Like, we, we died, and so we're going to live this new life. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And guess what? If you're in him, death no longer has dominion over you. Sin is a power in Romans 6 through 8. Death is a power. The law is a power. The flesh is a power. And you've been rescued from these things. You've been delivered from these things so that you can live a godly life. For the death, verse 10, he died. He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And so we get to verse 11. Uh, a huge passage, a huge scripture. Let me read it to you again. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Uh, as far as I know, this is the first application that Paul has made in the book of Romans. This is the first, uh, uh, really, like, hey, let's, let's apply this truth to our life. Up until this point, he's been rapid fire about justification, about our brokenness outside of Christ. And he's moved into this idea of sanctification, and now he's finally making some application. So you, some of your translations say, reckon the truth to your life. Believe in the truth. Count it as true that you've died. And now you're alive in Christ. You see, if, if, if we were in our identity still under the reign of sin, it would make sense that we'd continually uh, not do what's right. It makes sense that if we were under this, this, this power of sin, that we continually do evil, we wouldn't have a choice. But Paul says, reckon it to yourself, believe the truth, count it as true that you're alive in Christ. And that you're dead to sin. Now, that, that's a huge statement. But in chapter 6 and 7 and 8, he builds on that and strengthens that truth. And he calls us to live as a holy people. And we're not going to get to it today, but in chapter 8 especially, not only have you been set free, but you've been given the Spirit of God living in you. You've been made alive, and God has come to dwell in you. And so you have everything you need for life and godliness. But we have this mindset, going back to the beginning, we have this mindset of saying, well, I have sinned a lot and I just, I just can't stop. I, maybe, I, maybe I'm not free. Maybe, maybe you know, I've, I'm like bipolar kind of a deal. Like I'm here for a while, I'm here for a while, I just keep going back and forth. I don't know who I am. Yes, you do. Count yourself alive to Christ and dead to sin. Reckon it, as the old King James says. And then he gets into some prohibitions and a command. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. That, that, that's a prohibition. Don't let sin reign. Don't invite sin to come back into your life and be your master, be your champion, be your Lord, be the one telling you what to do. Let not that happen anymore. Don't go there. 
Don't listen to its commands and let the law enliven your, your passions for doing what's wrong. Don't go there. Uh, verse 13, another prohibition. Do not present the members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Well, if we have time, we'll talk about this a little bit more later in the sermon. But the members, uh, that, could, that could be a very specific thing. The members, your eyes, your hands, your feet, your ears, your, your mind, right? The, the part of the, the bodily existence. What are you doing with these things? Are you using these as weapons Against God, are you, are you using these as weapons, so to speak, instruments of righteousness? We have a choice to make based upon who we are. Or it could be a broader thing. Uh, don't use the members of your body, your capabilities, your abilities, your intellect, uh, all that you are. Don't use that to glorify the world anymore. Don't use that to honor the devil anymore. Don't use that to make much of yourself anymore. Use these things, everything that God has given you, for His glory now. Let not sin reign anymore. Those two prohibitions are fairly close, but it moves from the bigger body to the members. Don't use them as, as means of unrighteousness. But then in 13b, he gives a command. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Use everything you have now to glorify God. Your identity is you've been made in the image of God. You've been made in the likeness of God. The meaning that we've been given is to glorify God, to reflect God in the world, to show the universe through this diamond of who we are, all the facets of God and all of His glory and all of His holiness and all of His wonder. Why were you made? You were made to know God and you were made to exalt God. You were made to have a relationship with God. And through that relationship, God has placed you upon the earth to magnify Him, to show the world His character, show the world His love, His holiness, His justice, His righteousness, His goodness, etc., etc., etc. That's your identity leading into your meaning. If you don't have that relationship with Christ, then we try to find meaning in money or sex. We try to find meaning in cars or jets or whatever, good things, normal things, neutral things, but we make them idols that we worship outside of Christ. Now that you're in Christ, Jesus, let your meaning be found in what he's made you to be, an ambassador for Christ, a witness for God, uh, uh, an image of God or mirror to the world of who God is. That's your meaning. Uh, present yourself to God as someone who's been made alive. Live in all your capacities, in your BA degree. Use that to the glory of God. In your raising baby degree, in all the patience that you've learned, use that to the glory of God. In all the capacities that you have, as a, as a daughter, as a son, as a grandmother, as a great-grandfather, use it all to the glory of God now. Sin is not your master. Jesus Christ is. And now you serve Him. Live a holy, godly life for Him. And there's a promise in verse 14. He, Paul puts a promise on it. For sin shall have no dominion over you, since you're not under law, but under grace. It's a promise. Sin is, has no dominion over you. In Christ, you're not ruled by sin anymore. Now, we can choose or we can fall into ruts 
We can fall into bad decision-making where we have been set free from sin, but we choose to come back under and start listening to the world, start listening to our peers, start listening to the voices around us that are outside of Christ. You sure can. You sure can fall into evil as Christians. It's not like now that you've been set free, it doesn't mean you, you can't go back to living unrighteously or unholy ways. But the promise is you will not, as a Christian, be dominated by sin. You've been set free. You're under law. You're not under law anymore, but under grace. And so he, he's, he's always, keep, from chapter 3 on, chapter 2, chapter 1, he comes back to law again and again. He can't help himself. Well, let, let me move on to this, uh, this next section. You still with me? You still alive? Yes. Amen. This is a rather, again, uh, it bends our minds. It, it bends our, our understanding of things. Uh, we, we, the weight of it is, is, is uh, heavy. But it's God's word. Let's, let's hear it. Verse 15. What then? So another rhetorical question coming. Paul's anticipating arguments. He's anticipating things that people might say or think. So he raises the question himself. Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms. It's like there's parentheses there. Just like a little aside here. I, I need to speak to you in human terms because of your natural limitations. Oh, thanks, Paul. He just called me an idiot. I agree, I am, Paul. For just as you once presented your members, so the end of apostrophe, uh, you know, now he's getting back to his arguments. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, now, so now, present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in or leading to sanctification or holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, past tense, you were free in regard to righteousness but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The telos, the end, the, the destination is eternal life in Christ the telos, the end of living in sin, is death. So says the Word of God. And so we, we go back to first. fit. Let me unpack this a little bit so you understand it, so we can make some application here. What then? Are, are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? So, so Paul's anticipating, well, hey, uh, you just mentioned that we're not under law anymore, and that's probably get into that next week in the sermon, like the Mosaic Law. 
Now with the new covenant, uh, the, the, you know, there's different ways of understanding the Mosaic law and its applicability to us today. But in some sense, Christians were not under the Mosaic law anymore. We're part of the new covenant. Okay? So however that looks, there's, there's a whole other sermon in that. But Paul says, that they're, they're like, hey, so we're not in a law anymore. Does that mean that uh, we can just sin all we want? <laughs> You know, like, without a law, are we going to become these, these antinomian, lawless people? Can we just live lawlessly from now on? You know, we're under grace now. We're not under the law. There's no restraint. And Paul says, no way. No stinking way. Is my translation. <laughs> Do you not know, verse 16. So he's, he's again talking about knowledge. What do we know from our conversion, what do we know about the Word of God? What do we know about who we are? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, your slaves are one who is be, to whom you obey, either of sin, which is death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Uh, so in the culture of the day, um, there were some people who became slaves through birth. Their parents were slaves in the Roman Empire. Uh, in some of the cities, you know, maybe... 30 or 40 percent of the population were enslaved. Uh, you were born into it. Some, some people became slaves because as the Roman army expanded and they, 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 took, they took possession of different lands, they enslaved certain people. But most of the slaves in Rome or in different cities in, in the Roman Empire, they uh, became slaves voluntarily. Uh, there's no government uh, subsidies. Again, as we talked about last week, there's no social security in, back in the day. If you became destitute, uh, either you died, you starved to death. Uh, if you're a woman, you become a prostitute. Or you, as a man, you, you uh, willingly, voluntarily say, I will work for you for nothing as long as you feed me and house me and my kids. And it's thought that most of the slaves in Rome were these kind of people, bond servants, who had become slaves because they had no other options. And so this, this terminology is using, don't you know that if you present yourself, if you, became, if you become slave to that master who's an evil person, you're going to feel it. If you become slave to this person who's good and righteous, you're going to know it. Don't you know that whoever you present yourself to, and so he, he takes that analogy of slavery and he applies it in the spiritual realm. Now that you've become, as it were, slaves to God, when you gave your life to Christ, there, there's no easy believism in becoming a Christian. It's not like, hey, I can ask for forgiveness, and it's like cheap grace or just free. No, when you come to Christ, you give your life to Him. Right? It's not just like this like believism or just having faith. It's, man, I repent. I, I come into the Lordship. I surrender to my Creator, my Lord. I give you my life freely. That's, that's the call of the gospel. And so he's using the analogy there of slavery to talk about spiritual things. And so in 17 and 18, thanks be to God that you were once slaves, again, past tense, you become obedient from the heart of the standard of teaching which you committed, with, to which you committed. That's the gospel. Man, he's going back to the, the Romans. And he's saying, remember when you came to Christ? Remember when you surrendered to Christ? The standard of the teaching that you heard from the preachers? And you surrendered your life, you committed yourself to that truth. Praise be to God that once you were slaves, but when you committed to that truth, you became free. You became alive in Christ. The old man is gone. The old unregenerate person is gone. Now you're regenerate. You're alive. You're a new person. You're a child of God. You're new. Something that you never were before. Now you're new. 
uh, praise God that you were saved. And having been set free from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness now. How many times does he have to say that? No longer slaves of sin, now you're slaves of righteousness. Oh, wait a second, that is a little bit new. He's personifying righteousness as a master. You were under master sin, now you're under master righteousness. Again, he's trying to make it understandable, palatable for us to understand that now we're under God. I am speaking in human terms, verse 19, right? The parentheses there. Uh, he's, he's said it over and over again, but then in verse 19, there's another, there's another command. In 19b, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. He's repeated the command. It's a little bit different in how it's presented, but nevertheless, it's the same command up in 13b. It's like he's trying to make a point. Present your life to God. Now that you've been set free, now that you've been made alive, now live a holy life. Uh, God's understanding of you is not a miserable sinner. God's understanding of you is not someone that's powerless to not sin. God's understanding of you is, is not that you're you know, incredibly weak and that any, any whiff of, of sin, that temptation comes your way that you have to give in to. No, God's understanding of you, Christian, that he's made you alive. And that you can live a holy life now. We should live a holy life. For when you were slaves of sin, again, verse 20, it just, okay, Paul, I think we're getting the point. Are you getting the point? For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. That's, that's, that's kind of a strange way to say it. What, what is he saying? When you were enslaved to sin, you couldn't obey God. When you were slaves of sin, I, I, I want to go obey God. Sin would say, no, you can't. You, you can't obey God. You, you can't. When, when you're slave to sin, you know, we can do good things as lost people, as unchristians. Uh, some of the coworkers you have, maybe some of the people in your family, maybe some of the people in your dorm or whatever, they're maybe good people, but as lost people, they can't obey God because they're enslaved to sin. They're, they're, they can't be righteous as God wants them to be righteous. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things which you are now ashamed? Isn't that a great way to describe the consequences of sin? Sin, shame. Man, shame, shame, shame. We, we all know that word. We all feel that word. For the end of, things, of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin, become slaves to God. Okay, so, so now... The, 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 it changes. Now, I, I, you know, he's using, he knows this analogy of slavery is crude. He, he knows it's, it's not, not getting to all the evil of slavery, but he's trying to make sense to us that there's either this way or this way. There's no middle ground. Either you're a slave to sin and you're lost or you're a slave to God and you're alive. So why are you going back there if you're alive? Now that we are enslaved to God, the idea being, now we can obey God. Have you ever thought about what Jesus said? If you've been set free, you've been set free indeed. 
What does it mean to be a slave of God? It means that we've been set free to obey God. We've been set free to do God's will. Again, and that's beautiful and that's glorious if you understand why we're created. We're created in the image of God, to know God, to love God, to do His will. And when we were in slavery, we couldn't do His will, so we were broken. We, we lost meaning. We lost life. We lost meaning. But now we've been made alive in Christ. We found our identity, and so now we can live meaningful lives. Now the, we've been set free to live meaningful lives now, to live as we were created. And it's a beautiful freedom, even though, in one sense, it's a slavery. But who are you enslaved to? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for I am gentle and humble in heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the master. So it's a good thing to be under that reign. And now we've been set free to live as God wants us to live. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's awesome. And, and he goes on from there. <laughs> So, so uh, let, let me just b boil it down again. Reckon yourselves alive to God, dead to sin, dead to that old slavery. You've been brought into not Adam anymore, according to chapter 5 of Romans. You used to be an Adam. Now you're in Christ. You used to be under that old realm of death. Now you're into the new realm of resurrection and life forevermore. A relationship with God. So how should we live? Well, uh, in verse 13b and 19b, we're commanded to be sanctified. We're commanded to live these lives of righteousness and holiness. There, there is no waffle here saying, well, I don't know who I am. I want to do this, but I can't. Well, we'll talk about that next week in chapter 7. What's that talking about? No, we are alive now. And so, how do you become a holy person? It starts with knowing who you are. If you've been confused, if you've had that bumper sticker saying, I'm just a forgiven sinner, not a saint, rip that off your truck. You're not just forgiven, you're alive. You're a child of God. You're something that you never were before, before you met Jesus Christ. A new person, a creation, a new creation in Jesus Christ. So you start by reckoning that truth to your life, believe that truth to your life, because God's Word says it, that's who you are. And then, uh, then what do you do? The, the, the practical application that he, that he made there, don't offer yourselves, don't present your members to sin anymore. Man, there's a whole other out, outflow of, of a sermon there, or sermons. Let me put it this way, your mind. Uh, there, there's very few people in our congregation I know of that rob banks during the week and then come to worship on Sunday. If that's you, please see me after the service. There's very few people in our congregation that are assassins during the week and then come worship on Sunday. Again, I want to talk to you, or, or maybe I don't, but... but uh, your mind, your, your, your body, where are you going during the week with your mind? You see, we've, give, we've been given the, 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 the mandate to be righteous people, but how do we find ourselves living unrighteously, or how do we find ourselves considering adultery? How do we find ourselves considering lying or stealing or theft, you know, in different capacities, or gossip, or using our words wrong, or whatever? How do we find ourselves in that? 
Well, could it be that we are living in worldly ways? We, we've, we, we're, we've been set free, but we're choosing to put ourselves into worldly positions with our mind. Where are you going during the week with your mind? And let me, let me say it bluntly. What are you watching? What are you listening to? I mean that literally. What are you putting in your head? What are you filling your minds up with? If it's worldly stuff, if it's gossip, and if it's greed, and if it's lust, why wouldn't you be tempted to do those things if that's all your mind is consumed with? So when Paul says, don't present your members, your mind to that way of thinking, don't. Where are you going with your feet? Where are you going with your hands? Right? Are, are, are you hanging out with people that are bank robbers during the week and then on Sunday you try to come make yourself presentable and, ah, oh, yeah, I'm... Uh, no, you've gotten into that lifestyle. You've submitted yourself to sin again, even though it can never be your master again if you're, if you're a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're still lost. If you haven't come to Jesus Christ, you're it makes sense that you're a sinner because you're lost, and that's your true identity. Because you're trying to find meaning outside of God. If, you, if you're not in a relationship with God, then you're going to certainly try to find meaning in the world. But where are you going with your feet? Where are you going with your hands? Who are you hanging out with? Who are you talking to? Who's your teacher? Who's your daddy in terms of teaching you how to live? Is it some podcast that your lost people, your lost friends listen to? Is it some website that you're always going on that's full of immorality and unrighteousness? Doesn't it make sense that if you drip yourself, clothe yourself, take that in all the time that you're going to end up thinking that way? Of course it is. How about your words? We, we talked about that last week. Your speech. Is it redeemed speech or is it ungodly speech? All these parts are... It, it, we, we, we struggle with sin still because there's, there's a lot of varieties of that. And I'm looking at the clock. And I promised Luke this week I'd be done by 10.15. And I'm not. But, uh, but the, 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 this idea that we are... Um, not, not who God says we are because we're tempted. No, that, get, get, you're going to be tempted in this life. And, but, but there's a part of this whole deal, like the standing we've been given, are you standing in it? The place we've been given under God, have you chosen to go down that path or not? Because even though I've been given a status as a new man, am I choosing to live as a new man and this is where uh, the life, the disciplined life, the responsibility to be godly comes in. Um, have I chosen this week to fill my mind with truth? Or have I chosen this week to fill my mind with garbage? To become righteous as God wants us to be righteous, He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Now we choose to live it out. And that means discipline. That means decisions. That means being responsible. That means dedicating ourselves to be holy. And by God's grace and by God's power, we can be. And with a crying baby, I don't want you to be crying for the sermon. I'm going to end it here. Brothers and sisters, God commands us to be sanctified. God commands us to be holy. Choose to become what God has made you to be. Be holy as God is holy. Please stand in the Lord's presence.
Lord God Almighty, we thank you for letting us meet with you today. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us come into your presence, for inviting us into your presence to be with you, our Lord, to be your people. We love you too. Lord, we ask for the grace to be men and women of God this week. We ask for the grace if, uh, if this word has challenged us in some way or called us out in some way. We ask for the grace to change our life to become the people that you've made us to be. Uh, Lord, you know every soul here, you know every person here and where they've been, and you know all of our brokenness and all of our, our old habits and our old ways, and we ask for your deliverance. We ask for your help, your blessing, your power to become, uh, become the people that glorify you and, and honor you. We love you, Lord. Send us out in the world now as your representatives, as your servants, as your people. And may you get all the praise and all the glory and all the fame. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.